you. All right, hello and welcome to our 53rd episode. That's right, 53 weeks of these beautiful faces. That's one full year of the Coaches Corner that's been brought to you by the Endurance Lab, where here you can join the coaches, us coaches, live and unscripted as we recap the week for you every week and answer your questions from the forum. My name is Jason Flores, one of our Endurance Lab coaches, and I'm joined by Taya Freestead up in there in the corner, Ian Murray down there on the side. Mitch Dingram on there, and our nutritional therapist, Andrea Cullen. Good morning, guys. This is exciting. Good morning. Good morning. There we go. All right, let's slide on over to the notes here. We are going to jump straight into the topics like we always do, and we're going to have a nice little conversation about how progress is not always linear. We've been talking a little bit about this over the past couple of days, and uh, we're hoping to hear a little bit of feedback from you guys. Um, so if you've got some comments about um, your progress and kind of how we've been, um, how you how you see it. We're going to share a little bit about what our lab has to t um, has to say about it, as well as what us as coaches feel about it. So I'm going to throw it over to the coaches. I'm going to get everything shared over, and then I'll jump back in here. So um, if you guys can take it away there for us. Yeah. So uh, we've had some um, interesting feedback lately in the in the uh, lab forum, um, and it's been great about uh, pro progress and. First off, I want to say that all that progress is always linear. There's always a exact change every two weeks of how you go up, and there's never going to be any deviation from that unless you fail to stick to the program to the T. Um, if you if you miss one certain thing, then your progress now. Obviously, that's not true. You're going to have progress is is complete up and down. It's almost like the stock market to a certain extent, with the, ideally a general trajectory upwards. And the question came up from, um, it, it, was, it was not exactly a question, but more of a comment of one of our long-term members in the lab. And she was mentioning that she has seen steady uh, progress or improvements, let's say, throughout the months of training. Uh, but recently, she has seen a real jump oh. into her fitness and how, and also, of course, in the power she's able to produce. So she was saying she got a couple of FTP bumps, which she had not seen in quite some time. And, uh, you know, we don't always test FTP. We uh, adjust as we go along. We see, we get gouge progress, and we adjust accordingly. But she was saying that, yes, yeah, she was seeing the benefits and continued with her training following along. And after quite a bit of time, and I'm, my guess here is, perhaps even a year, um, based on what she's describing. Not only she saw that big jump in fitness, but also she lost some weight <laughs> without going into a prescribed diet or anything special. Maybe she made some adjustments based on um, what we always guide our athletes to do in the forum, etc. Uh, but really, she's seeing the bottom line saying that sticking to the plan has paid off over the long term. And this is what Ian exactly was talking about. And it's it's easy for athletes to think that they're not making progress. And it's also easy for athletes to get stuck in the week. So let's say mm -hmm. they have five workouts a week or four workouts a week. And, oh, it's not going so great. I'm not doing so well. And look at the trees, which is right the uh, the micro picture there instead of the big picture. Yeah, that's that's really important, um, especially when you're looking at things like body transformation, weight loss, 
um, strength gains. It it is very. It's not noticeable to you generally every day because well, every day you're looking at yourself. Every day you're checking mm-hmm. out your performance, and and like you said, most people when they start doing that, they they freak out a little bit and they they start diving into well, in this two minute twenty eight second right. stretch, yeah. I was nine watts <clears throat> under what my target would be, but for fourteen seconds here, I was twelve watts over. So what if I do the yeah. math here and the linear regression to try and see what was I actually at? Uh, you're just like, just shut up. <laughs> uh, but also when you get into the micro of it, right? I mean, every week is different as far as the intensity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. depending what you did yesterday and what you're doing today and then exactly. what you're going to do tomorrow, you're going to feel different all the time. But it's really the long term, right? You've got to oh, step back and month. realize that if you stick with a program and you stick with doing your workouts on a consistent basis, and you take care of your body. We'll talk about some of that here in a little bit. That in the long run, you're going to see improvements and you're going to have a, you know, what Ian was talking about, that long-term path of improvement and uh, gaining fitness. Yeah, and then the other thing, sorry, real quick, the other thing I want, I want to throw in on that, the, the important part is that's why we do plans or prep, uh, you, these the labs that we build, we build them in a certain way, or we build things to target a certain race or a certain period right. of time. Right. And the idea of that is, is you are not going to be at your peak performance level until we want you to be at your peak performance level or to you as your as the athlete in your plan want to be at your peak performance level it does you no good to be uh setting new ftp levels and new vo2 max yeah. levels seven weeks out from a competition or even two weeks out from a competition you want to be peak right when your competition comes in so that's that's why you sometimes won't see anything until all of a sudden you've rested up a little bit and your body's fresh yeah yeah and the uh so the other thing is there are different areas where you improve so you might be improving in being able to sustain a certain amount of power for longer periods of time. You might be improving on your VO2. These systems, right, they're different systems that you work on throughout your plan if you're following a good plan. And these systems sometimes they develop at different times. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just that one number that you look at and it's the king number of absolutely everything for you. It's not. So that's why it's also good to be out on the road yes. and do events. So that's when you don't have a screen in front of you and you can really see and compare yourself to others next to you and see how you do against your own self in the same hill that you did last year. And uh, we mm. talked about this a couple of episodes back too, but but you know, avoiding the pitfall of thinking that you plateaued, if perhaps you didn't, um, and going into overtraining because now you say mm-hmm. to yourself, oh, I'm not improving, I need to work harder. And then you're digging a deeper hole. And then you deviate from the plan that you, you don't trust the process anymore and you bring in these workouts out of, I don't know, somewhere else and you saw something pop out on your screen and, and say, well, maybe that workout looks pretty hard, I'll try that. And then I'll try the other one on top of what I have on my plan. Right. We see that all the time, right? And that's just not gonna help. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's a big danger of comparing session by session and, and like Thea is saying, not trusting the plan, but you coaches are developing a program based on weekly cycles. So one week you could be working on skills and we're going to suck at it because we're trying to improve our skills. So we're learning. Then you might bring someone into a, a super compensation week. So you're going to feel tired and you're working hard and then you've recovery week. And in recovery week, you feel like you're lazy and you're not doing anything. And that's the date where you can start bringing in stuff. So you're not going to reap the benefits until maybe the fifth or see a benefit until the fifth or sixth week. And that's where you have to trust the plan. 
because it's taking you somewhere. But if you're stuck in your ego and identity of every training session needing to be a hero training session, you you will do hero training, but the race is going to fall apart because you haven't trained for the race. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and and the other part that Andrea hits all the time is our nutrition-wise because as we start going through these, and when you hit these perceived plateaus, we're not smart people generally, which is why we're on bikes sometimes six, seven hours (laughs) at a time. But we often go, well... If I just get two kilograms lighter or two pounds lighter, and that's going to make all the difference. And, and in this case, our athlete who was talking about her gains, she only met, she mentioned that she only lost four to seven pounds. And yeah. I would argue that she probably had a actually a massive body change. Mm-hmm. So she probably put on some, some muscle mass. And, and I know a lot of people go, yes, well, muscle weighs more than fat. It does not. One pound of muscle is one pound of fat. Um, but when you lean yourself out, you know, you, you have a, a shift in your, in your body mass and your, your fat percentage, you know, you will, you will actually sometimes become healthier at the same weight or possibly even go up in weight and your body will be in a much better, uh, much better composition to race how you want to race. Totally correct. And I think you can use your brain power on constantly number crunching and constantly trying to diet and constantly looking at the scales or when you trust the process of what you're meant to be doing you have more brain power for focusing on using your time for planning mm-hmm. so you're you're starting to get wrap your head around you know your nutrition periodization that we talk about like you you, you have extra space in your brain to, to focus on other things and you, you find that when athletes can sort of let go and trust in the process then other things start to click into place they're on top mm-hmm. of their recovery they're on top of their sleep they're on top of their time management Mm -hmm. they're nailing their diet and that's probably related to these big jumps in improvement as well so you've let go but you've gained way more yeah she was probably on a cookie recovery week as well (laughs) leading into it um, which helped which is that's what i'm on this week i'm only having one to two cookies a day yes nice (laughs) i like uh, i like ian's uh ian's uh, nutrition plan there (laughs) so you know a lot of times we see athletes hit plateaus and that's mentally we're a lot of times as coaches trying to talk people through it getting them a good understanding of kind of what's coming up next um if it's their first time if it's their fifth time you know we've got um athletes that have gone through the plans several different times you know we've got one of our viewers here john mora uh, he's he's done a, um, a, a couple of the plans back he, he does a lot of structured training just in general um and he was commenting that he needs he, he has good discipline to do his workouts, but to take rest is his is kind of his way. And a lot of times I've talked um, either him or other athletes, you know, we've got to get over this. Just keep going with it. You know, you've got to get the rest. And a lot of time that's what we t- we're talking about getting off the bike. And a lot of times that's what our job is as coaches. And we've said it different times before is uh, a lot of times we're like step away from the bike, put the shoes away, put the fins off, you know, get out of the pool, that sort of thing, because people need that time so that their bodies can get past and can grow and can really absorb that fitness. And there's a reminder here too, when you're new to a sport, you're gonna see gains pretty quickly because it's Mm -hmm. new and it's new to your body. And after that phase, that's when things get a little bit different, right? You're adapting, you're getting stronger, faster, fitter. And so the gains are going to be something different. It might be efficiency, it might be speed, and those. This is this is also this is also the time that the athlete might get impatient because they're saying, "Well, why am I not seeing those jumps that I saw early on?" Yeah, real quick. And some of that was just they were actually running consistently, so big help. 
And then as they started to get a little better, you know, it was from 8.30 to an 8.25, and then an 8.25, and then 8.20, and then 8.20 to an 8.18, and so forth. And they they started asking about, well, how do I make another minute jump and go from that 8.18 to be getting faster and faster and to the pointier edge of the spear? Um, Your your changes are going to be, you know, half percent, one percent. And, and, you know, you know, if we had Garrett on here, he would tell you that those are all things that make a huge difference between, you know, qualifying for Kona or going top 10 or going top 50. You know, it's that that one percent difference. Um, yeah. That's all that separates the, those t- first 50 people. But also this is where, yeah, and also this is where technique comes mm-hmm. in. And that's mm-hmm. why we train technique, too. It's not just yeah. about power. It's about efficiency. Right. It's about pedaling. It's about the way, you know, your form, right, that you, you run, yep. et cetera. It's all of that. Learning when to drink, learning when to eat. Right. Right. Yeah, strategy and pacing, mm-hmm. like clever, Patient. clever things. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think it just gives, <clears throat> it gives people space to be able to to use their uh, to use their training to their best ability. Kind of gives that gives them that. So yeah, super important here as we um, kind of make um, make these conversations and have these conversations. It's important to have an open an open path to your coaches to the, your peers that you are doing your workouts with. I think this is something that we uh, allow our athletes to have. And I think it's important to have these conversations because it allows you to, you know, you're not alone. Uh, you've got someone that has taken you through it. You've got someone that has gone through it. Uh, and it really helps uh, to get you through these, uh, through these times as far as um, progress is concerned. Can I add one last thing here? Because I'm, I'm looking at a new... Um training uh, logging system, um, Final Surge, and I've been using Training Peaks, and, and everyone keeps coming out with a lot more enhancements on athlete data around comments and feelings. And I, and I think this is a, a good thing to remember that to the extent you can utilize those in your own personal training log, how you're feeling, mm-hmm. how the workout felt, mm-hmm. how to compare to last week, all those comments are great for one yourself, but also to sit down with your coaches or to share with other folks that you might be training with and to figure out, you know, what your body's feeling, what your body's doing, you know, why are you plateauing? Why did you see gains? So the amount of extra data you can put in your log besides just the workout and the, and the Watts, I think can be really illuminating sometimes. Yeah. The emoji middle finger. Life stressors, all those things. The emoji some, middle finger is not sorry. helpful to your coach though. <laughs> the emoji middle finger. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so when what? it's put in, in the middle of the, of the middle of the workout, right? <laughs> Andrea, you were saying? Yes, what what Mitch was describing there is something I'll do with my clients. I'll get them, like, obviously they might have serious health conditions, but I'll get them doing a timeline. And and if it's an athlete, if they've recorded, you know, feelings or things, or you find it all comes out on the timeline, and, and I can pinpoint where real certain things wow. started to happen. So it, it is helpful um, to use training peaks or a log for that. Now, I, I know you can drive your coach nuts, but keeping those, <laughs> if you put too much in, but there, if you just make a note, this is for myself, just so, yeah. you know, you, you have it there if you ever need it, it's, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So really great conversation here. Um, we do have a post in our forum that you can head to at discuss.endurancelab.fit. If you want to head over there, we can post a link to that as well. If you want to join the conversation, uh, a lot of our athletes and our, all of our coaches are there every week as well. I'm going to shift gears a little bit 
And uh, we thought Taya was going to talk about her vacation and how beautiful it was, but she's going to tell us about how much she worked out and how she kept all of her fitness while she was there. She's, <laughs> she's lighter, thinner. And, and she um, didn't eat any stronger. cheesy bread. No cheesy bread from, <laughs> from her trip. I know her first stop was Starbucks, though, so we'll have to hear about yeah, that. At the airport, at the airport. After that, it was all local food. Yeah, yeah so uh, I did this trip uh, once a year. I wish I could do it more often, visiting family in Brazil. And... Um, Left my bike behind, obviously. I wouldn't bring my bike with me to Brazil, but also it's a family vacation. <laughs> it's a family <laughs> vacation, and and why did not I, why didn't I take my bike? One um, is because my kids asked me to. They said, you know, can we have a vacation also from the bike? And they're great, right? They they're always uh, great about the fact that my husband and I spend insane amounts of time on the bike. Um, but they said, you know, it's vacation. Can we take vacation from the bike too? Sure. And two, it's good to step away from your training. And we talked a little bit about this in the first part of this podcast, right? So it's good to step away, take a break completely. And a mental break, and it's a physical break. The mental break is to reset your mind uh, when you come back. It's I, My training is such that I'm not overtrained, right? I'm not burnt out. Um, but still, there is something in there, in the mind, of day in, day out, for months and months and months of riding, that can benefit from a break. And you sometimes only discover that when you actually take the break. So yes, that was what I did. And um, I stayed active during the trip. Um, the It's good to change things out too. So that's the other reason. Go out and do something else. Uh, of course, you're not a runner. You're not going to go out and, and run for three hours. Uh, but I do my core work every single day. And we, as you, if you if you listen to our podcast and if you're one of our lab members, you know that we advocate doing 10, 15 minutes of core daily. It helps you with everything. It helped me with the 10-hour flight um, in coach. So I went out and I did a couple of short runs. And because I have the muscle strength from the bike and because I have the core strength, uh, I was able to do it without getting injured. Now, we're not talking about running fast, we're talking about a jog. So I did a couple of things. I did a combination of hiking because the place where I stayed was in the mountains, so there was no flat roads, it was either up or down. So I did a lot of hiking, I did some easy run and I did some plyometrics, which doesn't require any equipment, you can just go out and do your jumps, etc. Uh, so the week looked like I, I stayed away for 10 days. So my routine was, you know, the day that you arrive from a trip, you rest, no doubt. Then, especially because it's a 10-hour flight plus ground transportation. So you're talking about almost 20 hours there. So you rest the first day. The Then the next day was a 20-minute run. So that's the one that was a jog. It was easy. Um, I didn't need to take breaks. I did it just fine. The next day, my legs were super sore. The third day, my legs were even more sore. So the after that first day of run, the second day was a hike. And uh, it was about an hour to an hour and a half. Oh, by the way, that first day that I had the 20-minute run, I got lost. I got lost in the woods. So even though I ran for 20 minutes, I had to walk for 80 because I couldn't find my way back. Oh, man. <laughs> so it was a pretty long one there. Uh, I didn't have my phone with me, of course. And so... Um, so yeah, so it was a 20-minute run. The good thing about that, you're working muscles that you don't normally do on the bike. If you're not mm. a triathlete, that's such an eye-opener. The uh, it is a weight-bearing exercise. It helps. Running is hard. 
it's hard. <laughs> uh, it's cardio too, so you keep your heart rate up. And uh, it's weight bearing, so it helps with bone density, all of those things. So I did that and then, oh, and explosive power too, it goes with plyometrics and for cyclocross, that helps too. I'm still on cyclocross for season, believe it or not. Um, so then the hike, and then the third day is a hike again, a little bit longer. The fourth day is plyometrics. And I found a local gym and I went in there with my son and we did a bunch of things in TRX and core and that was great. His first time on a treadmill, he's 12. <laughs> but he can do pull-ups, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. There's a video on Instagram, yeah. Did, did you find a lap pool for your kids? Well, no, we didn't. Have, we, had a, we had a pool in the house, but okay. it was just, yeah, a pool. They were having fun, though. They were doing, I'm going to do 25s. It wasn't 25s. It was like 17. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So okay, I, I kept all that. Yeah. Swimmers on vacation, right? They're they like doing flip kicks yeah. in like a three foot. They pool, were like, just like. <laughs> I'm gonna practice my dive, but then where are you gonna go? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna practice my uh, pushing off the wall. Then what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're at the other side already before you take the second stroke. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, so I did that. So I alternated: run, two hikes, core and plyometrics. Run, two hikes, core and plyometrics, and the run increased from 20 minutes to uh, 40 to 50, and then I was back. Nice. Uh, by the time I was doing the third run, I wasn't sore anymore. Uh, the beginning was sore, but now. And then, you know, in terms of nutrition, I it's local food is what I grew oh. up with. So I do that once a year. I'm not gonna turn my head away to the stuff that I love. So I, I ate whatever you're, I wanted you're to. You're on vacation. I mean, yeah. that's the thing to remember is, is yeah. you're, you're on vacation and it's it's supposed to be a break, right? We I think Americans are, are really bad at this. Um, from working with people around the globe, we're not really good at vacation. Yeah. Um, the thing I'd add too is, uh, is keep in mind what you're doing on your vacation, right? I've done a lot of vacations to Disney for like a week <laughs> and, and, and walking around and, and dragging stuff around Disney all yeah. day long. That's a workout in itself, right? If you log your steps, I mean, you're you're doing a serious amount of time on your feet. So keep in mind what else you're doing on your vacation. That's true. I, I uh, so I was having you know, my on my watch. I have the tracking for the steps, and I was doing twenty thousand plus steps a day. Wow. Yeah. That's decent. Yeah. I mean, that's ten miles, ten, eleven, twelve miles of of walking. I mean, that's. And that's from yeah, not not just from the exercise, but really walking around with the kids yeah. and here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you remember when I was in Quebec, I was still training for ITU Worlds. Plus, I was getting so I was getting about thirty-eight thousand steps a day. Wow! Oh, so I get man. a run in, walking all over Quebec City. Oh yeah, lots of. Volume. I think we I think we forget that sometimes it's active people, right? Like my wife and I go vacation, we're both active, and and we like to walk. Like we went to Toronto last year, and and we walked all around the city because we like being active. But at the same time, I mean that's that's still activity, right? I mean it's, you're worn out. Yeah. And then if you go somewhere with your kids, I mean, that's even more because yeah. not like so, kids are easy. So don't be scared of thinking that you're going to take that time off, week off, whatever it is, and uh, you're going to lose fitness. Stay active. Find something else to do. You're going to be working some different muscles. It's all good. Um, it's a mental break. It's good for you. When you come back, you'll be able to slowly ramp back up. Don't jump right into an intensity workout. But think about other things you might do. You might swim. You might go on fast walks. You might be skiing, depending on where you're going. And um, don't stress out about not getting on a bike at all. 
or yeah. you know whatever you know if you if you're a triathlete also getting just get out of your routine a little bit and i, and I think something we, we we talk about is is you know, go back to my whole theme on make sure it's a vacation is if you're going with your family and i think tay i mean you went through this right your kids were like hey yeah. mom let's leave the bike home right your vacation is sometimes for your family and if you're a triathlete i think triathletes can be really bad at this too right we we got to get our swims and our runs and our bikes in some way or the other don't forget you got a spouse and bathtub swim right i mean <laughs> it'll, it'll pay dividends for the season if you take care of your family and spend time with them when they're not going to see you on weekends and you're going to be doing all your racing yeah, this is true. I think it's definitely a balance for those with families, um, with significant others, um, having conversations with them and making sure that you're honest with uh, the goals of uh, your vacation or, in fact, you know, what you'll be doing and trading off for for different things. It's, 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 a, it's an important yeah. conversation to have with your significant others. And make that be a week, a week that you are going to have uh, as a recovery week anyway. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so plan your training so that you are coming to that recovery week right before your vacation. Yeah. yeah, so just planning accordingly is super, super important. So sounds great. So, so don't be afraid. Is is a, is the take home here? Um, obviously, you know, long term progress comes from um, you know understanding kind of what we're doing, as well as understanding when you do take a week off. Uh, we have talked about different things with detraining and kind of those sort of things, but using a very strategic approach to when these things happen, like vacations and having conversations with our significant others and understanding where it's gonna fall in your training is super important. So next next topic we have up on the docket, it's kind of a fun look at, uh, for the coaches or a conversation of kind of different things that we use to keep ourselves healthy throughout uh, the year. Andre is gonna lead a little bit of this conversation and uh, the coaches are gonna add in here with kind of different fun things we have in our medicine cabinets or our, um, our, clo- our closets? No, it'd be our, our cabinets in our in our kitchen as well to kind of help ourselves keep going and what we go to before we go to uh, some of the big hitting medicines out there. So, Yeah, so I was just going to touch on a few things that can be handy to have in the home or like Jason said, that you might have in the, in the kitchen or the fridge. Um, you know, some foods can be really helpful to heal us when we're ill. And I would include things like garlic, turmeric, ginger, manuka honey, apple cider vinegar, and your bog standard garden herbs. Um, It's funny, you're reminding me of a story. I had athletes in Moscow for, uh, must have been indoor world champs in 2012, and a few of them got food poisoning. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, what what am I gonna do? So I sent them off to the athlete kitchen to get kefir, rosemary, thyme, garlic, whatever herbs they could get their hands on and just take, I said, take it any way you can, <laughs> as much of it as possible. And you know what, it, it, it worked, it, it, it got them through the food poisoning. I, I, I didn't really, given it was Russia, I didn't really know where else to send them. Um, we have to be careful in, in some countries too, if we're not familiar with the traditional herbal remedies, if you're a drugs tested athlete, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, th- these herbs are actually incredibly strong for helping with immune system problems and, and gut problems. Um, so I would always, well, you should be using them in as much of your food as possible. Other things that can be handy. Well, I guess it's a case of thinking, what's your weakest link? We all tend to have a weak spot when we get tired and run down or stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a gut bug, um, a cough or cold, a sinus issue. They tend to be the most common ones that we, we tend to see. So you want to be prepared 
with a couple of things in the cabinet. So if it's coughs or colds or flus, things like elderberry syrup. And I actually, I made my own this year. That's wow, it there. Oh, look at that. Um, I was off down the fields collecting my elderberries. So elderberry syrup is highly antiviral and anti-inflammatory and slightly pain relieving. So it, that's really handy one. You can get it in most pharmacies and health stores. Mm -hmm. um, echinacea is another one that we've heard about a lot. Um, I would say as the form echinacea angustifolia, there's two. There's also echinacea purpurea, but the angustifolia tends to be stronger. And when you take it as a tincture, it will make your mouth feel quite numb and tingly, almost. And, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, what, what's just happened? There's something wrong with this. But that's it triggering off the re immune receptors in your mouth. So that's a sign of a good echinacea tincture. Um, I'm not a fan of most pharmacy over-the-counter remedies for coughs and colds. And I'm saying that as a pharmacist. They don't really do very much. <laughs> but chesty cough syrup with guafenicin. Yeah, that does carbocysteine that will help loosen mucus whether it's on the chest or in the sinus cavities um so it's really helpful for for expectorating or loosening up mucus and should you need an antibiotic um if it's a bacterial complication this will also assist the antibiotic to get into the mucus so that's always a, a handy one to have interesting um yeah a lot of people forget that and steam inhaling so what about just what about just like some like spicy barbecue wings or something like that. <laughs> like uh, really get hot the Thai food to Thai food really yeah, to open up those, those yeah. sinuses. Anything that heats you up and gets things streaming is going to work. So in herbal medicine, they would get you having really hot baths or sweating or having really hot herbal teas. But all the all those spices that get things running will will clear the head out as well. So the, in, the, so, in the in the in the sauna, Thai food with fireball whiskey. In the, in the sauna. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do say with alcohol, alcohol will kill it will kill an infection. But right. the problem is, if you get a hangover, you're gonna feel <laughs> quite bad. So you need to drink enough to kill everything without getting the hangover, <laughs> along with your spicy wing cookies. Um, right. <laughs> so if your gut tends to be your weak spot. Um, having some probiotics that are heat stable in a blister pack can be really handy because if you're mm. heading off traveling, you can bring them with you or you know that th th they're going to travel with you wherever you want and you can have them just in the medicine cabinet and they can be oh, handy. So I'll make a comment, a quick one for that one. Uh, again, going back to that trip to Brazil, right? I grew up in Brazil, so my gut microbia is probably used to everything I can eat food from the street vendors, but my children were born in the United States and they can't even have the ice out there. They can't even wash, they can't even brush their teeth with the tap water. So uh, I get them in probio uh, taking probiotics two weeks before we go and then they're wow. taking throughout as we're there and then they're all good. Yeah. So all I got from that was Taya is a horrible mother who exposes her children to bacteria yes. and unsanitary conditions that's right Got it. i see uh yeah you see them with the hydro flask and the toothbrush is like <laughs> <Hydro> <laughs> to, to the amusement of my family right they're like oh god yeah, yeah, these yeah but it, it works it, it's it's like everyone that's been to egypt will tell you all about it oh my <laughs> or god. if we're going places where we're not used to so yeah the probiotics they, they can be helpful with, with the right strains in there. Another one that Jace, Jason will, yes. will give a yes on is 
the bentonite clay. Yeah. Uh, it's also called green blue clay or montmorillite or smectite, um, food grade. But that has actions to kill bacteria, but also soak them up and pull them through. So that can be really handy in the in the cabinet for your children, your teenagers, and adults for food poisoning. Um, but it's also helpful for so uh, indigestion. Eat dirt. Yeah. Yes. So clay. It's clay, <laughs> not dirt. It's clay. So Mitch, we know what Jason did in the playground. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's pretty mad. Like they'll tell you so that in what is it? What are they saying? The total surface area to grab unwanted substances in one tablespoon serving is over eight thousand one hundred square feet, more yeah. than the floor surface area for average size two thousand square foot homes. So it's a super soaker. It's it sure Sucks felt it, all in. it sure felt <laughs> like it for the three days that that Andrea had me take it after I got um I so it was Sunday that I had food poisoning and so for it was Monday Tuesday and then Wednesday I just took two tablespoons the first day um throughout the day and then one the last because at that point I I felt completely empty <laughs> I was like in a, in a, in actually a good way because things felt very cleaned out and I was like man I should do this like monthly this feels really really <laughs> so, good <laughs> so really quick is this something good to do before like like a couple days before like a half marathon or a marathon to yeah. get your weight down or uh, <laughs> no I, I would just no? reserve it for when you when you when you need yeah. it because it is a bulker so you could yeah. end up getting quite constipated um, if you don't drink enough water with it. Um, but if you want to get your weight down before a race, it's switching to liquid foods is going to be the, the, the best thing to do. That, that's what I would do with lightweight rowers. But we're co totally going off on a trajectory here. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, do that. We'll, um, we'll do that in May. Yeah. And we'll give you food poisoning before it as well. We'll just well, throw I mean, it all the romaine I can get. All but. the romaine lettuce. But it's a, some of it's <laughs> fake news. So, you know, romaine lettuce and all, it might not be the real thing. It's, it's, it's all good now. It's all good. It's all good. It's all yeah. Better. We fixed it. Okay. So, so that's your so, your bent. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Cause I'm I'm jumping ahead here. I'm I'm seeing something of interest to me. But go um, ahead. What was I talking about then? So, uh, aromatherapy oils. I think these are so handy to have because they're small, they're portable. If you're ever traveling, and they'll do so many things because they're so powerful as antibacterials and wound healers and for insect bites, um, for bangs and scrapes and things. So, and for steam inhaling. So just building up a little little. Um, collection of things like tea tree, lavender, eucalyptus or albus. Um, mm -hmm. That's a good basic start. Um, I have thyme oil. And you take some of that tea tree oil and uh, put in your laundry too for your uh, uh, for your yeah your recycling kit and everything that helps oh. also with uh, oh yeah huh. yeah that's a good you idea. Burn mine if it's been a while. <laughs> No, actually, those, those the the scented oil or the oils are great. Uh, my wife a lot of times puts on like a, a peppermint or eucalyptus type oil at a and one of the va vaporizers right by the door in our mm -hmm. family room area. So when I come in, it's, I get hit with that, and then yes. at night we use a lavender one. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very powerful because they go straight into the bloodstream and they hit the the mm -hmm. brain very quickly. Um, great, they have a lot of functions, and the lavender. Um, and thyme, for example, would be really handy in a bath as well if you, you wanted mm -hmm. to, to, to relax the muscles. Um, strong chamomile flower, chamomile tea flowers can be helpful for steam inhaling, or you can make it as a strong tea for helping with sleep or as anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. um, 
Another one that I ha we have in our house would be Epsom salts. Just buy them in the huge big tubs because it works mm. out the, the most economical and they're really handy in the bath um, to absorb sulfates to help with detox and magnesium for, for your body. So Epsom It also helps with great. recovery. You can also help as a recovery uh, mm -hmm. to get in your legs. Yeah. yeah. It just, yeah. I just have a hard time getting in a bathtub and sitting there for more than about five minutes. Uh, so bring your like, phone, what, bring your like, phone. What kind of time are we looking at and getting a bath with a bunch of salt? Like how, how long are we talking? I, mean, oh. I can do it when I was doing Ironman training because I'd get in an ice bath and then I would drain the ice and then put a uh, Epsom salt bath, bath after that. But now I'm like, oh, I get done. I get in there. I'm like five, ten minutes in. There, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I don't want to be in here anymore. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, so quick aside, what we're missing here is on on the uh, coffee ride this morning. Ian shared his basically Myers Briggs uh, equivalent test results, <laughs> and and we need to spend like a whole coach's quarter talking about this because because what you just saw there, his inability to sit still for five minutes is actually I think part of his test results, and there's a lot going on there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> psychology of athletes um, what else have I got on there a reusable soft ice pack so one that's got a slightly soft surface can be less cold cold on the skin um, but what I tend to use is I'll always keep a slightly damp squeezed out um, face cloth in the freezer and mm. frozen peas so when I take the face cloth out I'll run it under the tap and wring it but it will be instantly really really cold so then you put the peas on top of that and it works really well as an ice pack um, so that's just always sitting there should it ever be needed and generally when you have it there you never need it which is always a good thing um, mm. another thing that I found and I think you have it in the States but I got it in South Africa, is Zambuk. Hmm. Um, and it, it's oil of eucalyptus, camphor, thyme, and sassafras. And when I tore my ligaments in my ankle, I don't know why, but all I could think about was eucalyptus, and I needed to do a eucalyptus foot bath with eucalyptus leaves, and everyone thought I was crazy. And then I found this, and I slathered it on my foot, and I found it fantastic to take the pain and inflammation down. But it's also good for cuts and wounds and bangs and great for kids. Um, so I found that one really handy. Um, also in my medicine cabinet, I will always have some kind of sinus spray, herbal sinus spray or saline sinus spray because my sinuses tend to be a weak spot um, and there are some really good ones. Or else just what I've been trialing lately is just, you know, making a salty, salty water mix with some aromatherapy and herbs and snorting it, I suppose, is the right way to put it. But that's great for your sinuses because you're getting it where you need it. Um, the and next then it needs to be warm you, water. You have, a and you, you have a yeah. mirror that you put it on and you break it up with a credit card and the little lines. or Yeah, which leads me into the next hijacked line, which says whiskey. And it, it needs to be bourbon. So we'll scrap that bit. Um, although <laughs> so it's thinking about, you know, what will be helpful for you? So if you were traveling, for example, I, I would always tell people to bring, you know, a diarrhea remedy and a stomach remedy from the pharmacy. So mm -hmm. motilium or emodium in the instance we're, we're always going to save your save you when you're, you're traveling and you get sick. Um, athletes are always going to have electrolyte solutions with them anyway, so they're going to be helpful. But that's sort of it really for, for what we have here at home. The usual paracetamol and disprin, but we never really use it. I will say this though, if you use things like noon, which I love and my wife likes it, but when I, she first started uh, training, she had uh, her noon, or I had my noon, but I had it next to Perpetuum. And oh, Perpetuum man. was actually in the, in the pill or the, the tablets as well. You'd throw that in the bottom, it would dissolve. 
And so she was sick and she hadn't been real familiar with Noon yet. She was just getting into using it and she was sick. And I told her, well, you need some electrolytes. Why don't you grab one of the Noon tablets, throw it in a, in a water and, uh, and drink that. She grabbed a Perpetuum. Perpetuum. <laughs> that does not taste good, by the way. And it no. is horrible. Yeah. And, uh, and it just wouldn't dissolve and wouldn't dissolve because actually it was Perpetuum with these tablets. You were supposed to chew it, <laughs> not dissolve it in water. And uh, yeah, so... Make sure if you do have things that look alike and are similar, um, you separate them. clearly either separate them or, or you have them clearly labeled so you know what is what. Oh, man. Actually, that's an interesting comment because a lot of athletes use diarrhea electrolyte formulations for training. And the diarrhea formulation is a different blend of electrolytes and glucose to yeah. your regular training electrolytes. So I yeah. always recommend keeping them separate and using them specifically as they're intended. Are you talking about people, uh, people using like a Pedialyte or some type of like that sort of thing? Yeah, I think those, those are the, the concentration. We've t had conversations about, you know, glucose transport and that sort of thing and getting the right amount for, you know, our training versus when you're in need of that sort of thing is, is very, very different because the body is mm -hmm. in a different state, right? And yeah. um, what you're needing to take up. And, you know, going back to kind of the first um, bullet here, too, of um, kind of daily herbs, we've taken on, um, I know uh, Taya as well has taken kind of a daily look at adding these things. You know, I've done it for my, for my, for my young one as well as myself, especially being with patients daily. Um, it's important to kind of have that, uh, I feel like that wall and something that you're putting in to help every, your everyday exposures, especially if we are training and you get a heavy load in. Uh, your immune system is, is not that it's going to be down in a way where you're going to get sick if, if there's someone there, but just yeah. so that you have more something there. To, exactly, exactly, that sort of thing. So adding this to your remedies and, and your daily routine can be very, very useful for athletes, especially if you are putting a good amount of load into your training daily. So let's see, anything else that uh, the coaches are go-tos that, uh, that, uh, that we're using here on this list that Andrea has, or do we all just go to Andrea's house when, uh, when things go away? <laughs> yeah. apparently, apparently I need to because I'm not really good at any natural remedies. I mean, the biggest thing we do is, is honey for a cough because we all know that cough suppressants really don't work. Um, yeah. But I'm a, I, I'll admit it, I'm a huge fan of the, the behind-the-counter pseudoephedrine when I have a cold. Um, cause that or when works. he doesn't have a cold. Oh, when he doesn't have a cold. <laughs> That's where he chops it up. <laughs> <laughs> Pseudoephedrine yeah. is an interesting one. If you have a lot of sinus issues, yeah. and a lot of people do, it can actually make things worse because <laughs> its action is to dry out the sinuses yep. and what you want. Right. Then you're ending, you nearly have stickier guck stuck in your sinuses, which can be quite painful. So it can help some people, but it can hinder the recovery of, of others. Yeah, and and if you've got a lot of water. And it's Absolutely. quite stimulant, which is fun for some, but <laughs> just watch that. Yeah, don't, don't take it before you're going to bed. Yeah. But it's actually, but, uh, hey, for anyone who is thinking of competing at any level, that is a banned substance, so <laughs> yes. can't take it. Yes, be very, very careful there. All right. Um, so we're going to slide on over to what's happening this week in the lab. <clears throat> I know Ian wanted to talk a little bit about um, strength workouts oh. as well as recommending a proper warm-up, and I could definitely vouch for making sure you get enough time beforehand to get the work done. And the longer uh, times that I've taken to, let's say, run to the gym, and it's taken longer than kind of the prescribed amount, the more the better here for a warm-up. You definitely feel like on fire and you're ready to go. So uh, a couple more recommendations here from uh, Coach Ian. Yeah, so real quick, when, when you're getting to strength workouts, you got to understand that 
your your body needs the warm up just like it does for any any other cycling or running event or swimming that we're doing because your muscles are cold when we start and so you have to warm them up gradually and they have to get the blood flowing through them and you have to get them accustomed to the work they're doing and it takes a good 5 to 20 minutes depending on you know your body temperature what you've been doing how much your training is going so you really need to get in there. So if you're even if you're just doing a, a strength workout, we're going to be lifting a lot of weights. I highly recommend getting on an elliptical machine. The reason I say an elliptical is because you're moving everything. If you just run, yeah, you're moving your upper body, but you're not putting any effort into it. It's more of a lower body. And granted, most of what we're doing is legs, so running is okay. But I prefer using that elliptical because I'm getting that forced motion on both sides. And then what we have in our, our beta program that we're working is there's some burpees and then there's some kettlebell swings. And those kettlebell swings are really just getting, it's, it's not a full motion activity, but it uses, you're hinging your body, your shoulders, your arms, your legs. So you're getting a lot of, a lot of just small motions in there that help get the juices flowing. Cause the idea is we're not taking an hour and a half to two hours to do a strength workout, which would allow, would allow for progression of weight. So you would get on at a, at a lightweight and then build it up over a series of three to four sets to your actual workout weight. Mm-hmm. We're more or less getting right into it. So you have mm-hmm. to be you have to have a sweat on when you when you get into your your actual strength. And the way I like to picture it is think of a boxer. When you see a boxer go into a fight um, or MMA fight or whatever, they're not coming in there with no sweat on them. They actually have a pretty good sweat. They've been working out for a good 20 minutes prior to coming in to that to that fight because their so their muscles are warm and ready to go because they have to explode at the bell. And our intent for this strength workout is you're exploding from set one. You're pushing out big big efforts from set one, not by the third, fourth, or fifth set. So you have to really make sure any of the workout, strength workouts that you're doing, even some of the other body weight exercises that we have, you're getting in that good five to 20 minutes. I, I recommend air on the side of longer than shorter, but if you were, you know, if you, if you're already working and you're hot and you've been moving around a lot before you start your workout, okay, maybe you can get away with five minutes, but you really need to focus on that and make sure your entire body's warmed up and you have a little nice, a nice coat of sweat on you. Coat of sweat. Nice you can also do, you. yeah. You can also do the uh, the core workout um, yeah. beforehand because you're moving yeah. arms, legs, and you're mm-hmm. getting those muscles engaged and ready to also be engaged as you do the uh, weight stuff. Yeah, and yeah, we did have perfect. we did have a conversation um, of strength, and this is the season for us that where athletes are making the transition over to strength type training, and we do have a program that we're testing that Ian mentioned. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, myself, Ian, and a handful of athletes are kind of going through it from different um, approaches and different levels and experiences throughout their lives as far as strength. Um, I did have a fun experience to uh, share. I did have another dad that I was hanging out with yesterday. I was off, and um, he does some lifting, uh, different things, Olympic lifting here and there, but hasn't done much. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do this workout. You want to try it? <laughs> and he's like, sure, why not? I sent it to him. He's like, wow, this is like pretty regimen. I'm like, we do the warm up and <laughs> halfway through he's like he's like what are we doing oh my god i can't move my butt's on fire <laughs> like, <laughs> we're doing like a banded uh, monster walks and he's like oh um, yeah yeah so it's like a band around your knees and you know he, and he's a pretty uh, efficient lifter and um he, he's kind of on the on the road of like where he kind of lifts like how ian described like he kind of goes up in weight where i was like oh you know kind of think about where you're at and we'll take a percentage of that and this is where i'm at and, and he was like, and then, then the rest, that was the main, it was, it was odd. Cause as someone who's been lifting for years, I was taking prescribed rest. So what we have is like 
we have max lifts and there are only three three reps um and then there's a two minute rest and then he was like wow like this workout feels a lot more efficient um than i would normally rest because you know a lot of people think two minutes is like 30 seconds right at the gym they're like they walk around and then they'll go at it again and i kind of explained to him um you know muscles and and kind of how it um you know replenishes energy and that sort of thing and as we waited longer anything past the two minutes is actually pretty beneficial because the the body has actually brought in the energies to be able to do a full out effort again anything shorter than that it essentially becomes an um aerobic um, because your muscles will limit yourself from doing that full out effort. Mm-hmm. And then you see light bulbs kind of, you know, going off. He's like, wow, because he's a big bro science guy. So, you know, I'm trying to, you know, give him a little bit of science science. And he's like, wow, this is really interesting. And then, um, but it was a fun, it's fun. And so as we do transition, we talk about doing other things, cross training, getting other strengths and building other <laughs> skills. This is something that can definitely be uh, uh, on the fun end of things. Yeah, I am not just a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely it definitely feeling it this morning with the with the workout from yesterday. So. Um, was there anything else there, Ian, for um, our up and coming nope. strength thing? That's All it. right, sounds good. Um, quick shift over to skills. Um, Taylor, we've got our last week for those that are in the lab. Our eighth week of um, our ability lab. We got our last round of workouts. Do we want to chat a little bit about those here before we go? Sure. So we worked uh, quite a bit on uh, VO two and speed with uh, short high octane intervals we started with the aerobic 455 which is one that we alternate between vo2 threshold and sweet spot in short four minute intervals and we do five sets of those Um, and then we uh, move on to the breakaway two so it's the simulation of either attacking or covering an attack in a race um and or simply riding faster, right? Uh, so again, a combination of VO2 but with a tail, meaning you go for a sharp, a sharp effort of sprint followed by VO2, followed by some threshold, and it's a minute and a half long. Yeah. But it is when you look at that duration, you're going pretty hard, pretty fast for that duration. You don't see that very often. Uh, athletes do it, and that's how you can gain an advantage. And then we finished up with the threshold builder here, um, really designing to uh, teaching the legs to uh, do an effort at 105 to 110% of FTP and then hold tempo and teaching the legs to recover at that tempo power. Absolutely. So um, again, with a lot of these workouts, um, you, you see some notes in, there's a lot of skills built in, not just reading, um, reaching watts. If it's your first time hearing about these, workouts, there's a lot of skills and a lot of real world situations that we bring into the lab. So again, if you're interested in more on what we do and kind of the workouts we do, check out endurancelab.fit for the upcoming labs. So on the horizon, so as we reach the cycle of eight weeks, we, our athletes often ask what's coming up next? What is it? What is coming up for, for them? And what's in store kind of as we turn the corner. So coming up, we do have what's called the transition lab. Uh, and I'll pass it over to the coaches to kind of explain what the, the roles and the goals are this. I know it was between um, between Taya and Ian, they kind of put this together for where we are, where we're going next. So what, what are, where are we headed guys? So this is gonna be, we, we did this uh, last time, last year as well. It's the perfect time for transitioning um, into the pre, what we call preseason. So before you get into your base training and the holidays are coming up, we have a lab structured such that you can 
efficiently transition into that pre-training season with less volume and start to introduce strength training, but also in a way that gives you time to accomplish that with all of the commitments that people have at the end of the year. So it's really uh, building a solid base for your next season goals. We do some um, off the bike that Ian can comment here, uh, but we'll get you primed for uh, the next season. Yeah, and our, our uh, off the bike work in this one is is largely designed for people who don't have access to much equipment. Um, it's more body weight focused. There are some things that we recommend if you have access to TRX bands or or uh, stretch cables, pull up bar type things. It's better um, if you have kettlebell at home or some dumbbells or even cans of soup, uh, mm-hmm. milk jugs that you can fill with water, anything like that. Those will work. Anything will be a substitute. But this is designed for some basic core strength, some basic functionality, some basic basic movements with the, uh, the, the idea that you use this to help re-engage and redevelop muscles that may have gotten neglected towards the end of your cycling season as you were focused on very cycling-specific or very triathlon-specific uh, movements and activities. And usually the strength exercising strength exercises is what falls to the wayside when you start doing cramming for time. So that's what this is designed for, starting getting your body ready for a load. And, and there's the things you can throw in and do it in 25, 30 minutes. So, you know, if you have to just take a break from the family on Christmas because you're just, you cannot take another, can I open a present? Can I open a present? And you just want to punch somebody, go to your 25 minute workout. And, and you'll be good to go. Uh, and you can do it in a room somewhere hiding from everyone. <laughs> That's right. And I'm, I'm going to go back to that Myers-Briggs comment right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next week we'll cover that. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to delve a little bit in, into yeah. that. To... Into the psyche of, of the evil elf. That's, that's what everything is designed for is, is you're going to see some strength improvements and we're do, basically doing some maintenance and other aspects of our, of our uh, cycling yeah. world. Yeah, and this speaks to making sure, again, the conversation has been had before, not burning the candle on both ends, meaning that we are going to focus on your core and strengthening those things. Or if you are going to be taking on, let's say, the strength plan, uh, along with that, you're going to need to back off on your other sports. If you're triathlete, kind of everything else. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was week, was it, I think it was week one of uh, the strength uh, workout. I was like slyly sending a message to Ian. I'm like, we're not expected to do like 0.8 intensity or higher during this strength interval. He goes, wow, did you get even close to that? Cause I don't think you should be. I'm like, yeah, I was like 0.62. He's like, that sounds about right. About 60% is about where you should be able to go. Cause I was pretty floored and I had a big plan on the weekend and I was like, I can't do this. Like my legs won't go. So just to respect that and understand what you're working on now. And if you're going to be in a transition, you're going to try to be working on your body to make sure that you respect that and just enjoy the bike and enjoy the a little bit less time on the bike and that that's where it's going to go all right so with with that um looks like we are wrapping up here i want to thank um our listeners for joining in today here to the coach's corner it is our one year birthday so happy birthday everybody Uh, but if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more um, we can all go back. That's what we should do next week and listen to our very first episode. How amazing no, and wonderful it no, was. We should not. <laughs> Podcasters do this all the time. But if <laughs> we should not, Ian said. So, um, but if you do want to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the Endurance Lab, or head over to YouTube and search the same. And don't forget to click subscribe for more information on when the next lab is, or more information about the Transition Lab or the Strength Training 
um, that we have coming up, head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and join us to train smart and get results and look as good as Ian does every day. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see each other next week. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Thank you, guys.